Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 2, The House of Black and White is over, but we're just getting started here on Game of Thrones, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who don't change their faces, but we change our voices from time to time. I'm Rob Sister, here's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> yes. The I man- don't know what the hell that was. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's very weird. That creeped me out. Yeah. Hi, Rob. How are you, man? Good. How are you doing? The man has a new voice. The man has a new voice. Yes. Uh, I am no one. Who are you? Yes. Are you no one too? I'm a, a know-it-all. You are a know-it-all. You are indeed. That's right. Uh, but yeah, this is exciting. This is uh, more Game of Thrones action going on here. Feedback show number two. Um, we finally got to talk live on the air. I thought, Rob, we did a we did a really fun job on our live show. That seems to be the consensus I'm hearing from people. So thumbs up. We're we're full tilt in Game of Thrones land right now. Yes. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, we had a very fun show on Sunday night. And uh, it was a great episode to talk about. We had a lot to break down. And we had so much to break down that, of course, this is our feedback show where we take questions from our audience and answer all the questions that you guys have about the episode for us. Yeah, that's basically exactly what's happening here. And it's all very good stuff. This was a, a huge episode. Obviously, there were, I think we said something like eight different storylines running uh, throughout the episode. Some of them, you know, shorter than others, briefer than others. But uh, I can think of eight distinct storylines. So we've got a lot to talk about tonight, Rob. A lot of stuff to get into. Of course, these questions come to us every week, either via our voicemail inbox at postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail or also uh they come into us via email at got at postshowrecaps.com that's correct that's correct and uh i don't know do you want to do any foreplay tonight rob or should we just dive right in uh well i always like a little bit of foreplay and i I, I would like to say though i know a lot of people were writing to us that we had a little bit of a mix-up on sunday that the system that we use to host our podcast feed uh, was a little bit on the fritz and posted the book club episode instead of the recap episode for a lot of people. And we do apologize uh, for that. Hopefully nobody was spoiled uh, for anything. Somebody told me on Twitter that they almost killed themselves trying to jump out of the shower. Like they put the podcast on and went into the, sh- the shower and then they started hearing, hey, it's book club. Like, ah, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very harrowing. Well, I believe that it was actually the book club of the world of ice and fire that Terry Schwartz, my co-host on the book club podcast. We did that back in, I think, November. Um, So it shouldn't have been too bad. I don't think it could have certainly been worse. Uh, You could have definitely had a worse book club to listen to. But yeah, we do apologize for that. Uh, And if you haven't yet figured out how to fix that mix up, if that's still going on for you, just delete whatever got downloaded, re-download and you should be right as rain. Okay, sounds good. All right. What about Game of Thrones foreplay? You got any of that? Yeah. uh, You know, I kind of just want to. There's so much to get into this week that I feel like uh, we will we will have a very good time just diving into all of this stuff. And, you know, we're talking a lot about changing faces and changing voices and changing podcasts as well. Uh, So why don't we just talk about where that's coming from this week, which is Arya Stark is in Bravos now. We finally get Arya Stark here on season five of Game of Thrones. She is going to reunite with Jake and Hagar, uh, and a lot of questions about what she is going to be up to now that she and uh, Jack and are are back in action together. Yeah. Okay. So All right, fire so let's, away. Let, yeah, let's get into that. So Emad is is first up with an Arya question. Emad wants to know: Do you think that Arya is going to learn to change face? 
It would be so satisfying to have her return and kill Walder Frey in the shape of Catelyn Stark and the mountain in the shape of Prince Oberyn. With that power, she could even turn into Tommen and be the king. So what do you think? What's like, is, is the sky the limit with this face changing thing, Rob? Is Arya going to just be able to, to look like basically everybody on the show? Yeah. I don't think that the end game here is I'm going to turn into, you know, Cat Stark and then kill Walder Frey. I think the move is I'm going to turn into one of the guards uh, here at the Twins and then sneak into Walder Frey's room and then be yourself uh, when you go ahead and kill Walder Frey. Like, I think that's the move more so than I want to look like a different person when I kill people. But does, don't you think, like, if you've got the ability to face shift, like, you could do some shape-shifting action, shouldn't you try and, like, kill King Tommen and then go be King of Westeros? Doesn't that seem fun? But then you have to live as King Tommen? I, I mean, well, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't go well, you shape-shift into somebody else. Well, here's the thing for Arya that is a potential problem for her. Um, I don't know if you could change heights. I think that you could change faces. And you can change like hair, but can you get taller? Yeah. Because I think Arya is somewhere around like, you know, what, four, four, nine, four, ten. She's not tall. She's not tall yet. You know, if you were Bran and you could change faces, then you'd be in business. <laughs> you could be anybody. But basically at this point, Arya could become any short person. Yeah, she's uh, Macy Williams. The actress is five foot one. Oh, okay, she's getting there. Yeah, she's getting there. She's getting there. Yeah. You know, she's not a kid anymore. She's 18 years old. Yeah, she's too tall to be, you know, Tyrion. Yeah, yeah, she couldn't be Tyrion. She could be Tommen. I think so. She, Tommen would actually, I think, be, like, good eye level. Yeah. So. Yeah, they'd be close. Um, but, I mean, like, I don't know. You just think that she's just going to be a guard. She's just going to face change into something mundane like that. That's so boring. To sneak into places. I think yeah. that's the idea. Yeah, but I just feel like when you have the ability to shape shift, like you should just become like present for the day. I feel like that's what you say when you're a kid and you were asked if you want to be a shapeshifter. You say, yeah. yes, I do. And I want to be leader of the free world. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mystique has done stuff like that, right? Wow. Mystique name check. <laughs> I forgot you're an X-Men fan. Uh, not really. I know. A How do you feel about the big news about Iceman this week? Oh, huge. Yeah. Yes. I don't really know it. Iceman's gay. He came out of the closet. Oh, yeah, I did see something about that. Yeah, it's big stuff. Okay. Good for Iceman. No, it's great for Iceman. Yes. And as far as uh, Arya goes, yeah, I mean, I think that this will be a means to an end to kill a lot of people. I mean, I mean, the problem with her being able to kill these people is that how is she ever going to get close to Cersei Lannister? How is she ever going to get close to all these other people that she wants to go kill? Why? Because she's in Bravos and they're all in Westeros? Right. And, you know, that they're not going to just let like a little girl into or, you know, a young woman into or a boy or whatever they think she is. Like, she's just not going to get that access. Well, that's why she shapeshifts into Tommen. And then Cersei will be like, oh, well, Tommen, can I tuck you into bed? And she'll be like, yeah, you can tuck me into bed right after I stab you in the face with needle. Mm hmm. I guess that's good. That's the move. That would be a, a pretty good move. No, but she definitely, she's got some growing up to do before this is fully useful, perhaps. Uh, yeah. At least in terms of like taking care of her list of people she wants to kill. And I also don't think that, you know, learning how to do this is just sort of like some correspondence course at the House of Black and White. I, I suspect this is the kind of thing that takes years to learn. It takes a while. You would have to imagine, you know, uh, 
changing your face, just the, the concept of it, you have to imagine that requires some skill. Uh, skills that will make Arya a nightmare for people like you. Uh, and we will see how long that's going to take. But, um... Mate, why would you make Arya a nightmare for me? It's a uh, Liam Neeson reference. Oh, okay. Yeah, Liam Neeson would be a nightmare for all of us. What if she could uh, shape, shapeshift into Liam Neeson? Well, that would be good, I think. Or Arya as a person who could change her face versus Liam Neeson. I think that would finally be a fair fight. Or Arya who could change her face and fight Nicolas Cage and Chandra Volta. Yes, yes, in a face-off. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. A face-off, face-off. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the, the, there's a lot of potential here, I think, is the point. Uh, Arya's in a pretty cool spot. Uh, you know, the, the doors have just opened to the House of Black and White. We have to see what's inside. We have to see what it all entails. But the potential of the storyline is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Arya really is always like on an internship. I mean, yeah, that's what I've told you before. For yeah, sure. she's always just like whether it's with uh, with Cereal Pharrell or then, you know, whether it's, you know, with a Tywin Lannister or um, a Roose Bolton, whatever you want to <laughs> wherever, wherever uh, you know, avenue you want to go down with that uh, with the mountain. I'm sorry, with the hounds. Um, you know, she's always with one of these guys. Yeah, she was even with Jake and Hagar for a little yeah, while. Jake you know, and Hagar, she, of course, that's she a was, good one. She was with him in Harrenhal. She's reunited with him here in Bravos, although almost was not. Uh, he initially did not seem to want her inside the House of Black and White. When he presents himself as this old man, he shoes her away. Um, so that is a good segue into this next question from our buddy R. Philly. R. Philly wrote in, does Jake and Hagar initially turn Arya away from the House of Black and White to test her commitment about joining them, or is it for her own good, hoping she could find a better path for her life? What's your take on this, Rob? Why did Jake and Hagar seem to not want Arya hanging around? It was kind of a jerk move, right? It was a dick move. Yeah. I think it was the test. I think it was more of like, okay, you came all the way here. Like, uh, what do you think? I'm just going to, you know, protect you again. Like, do you really want to do what we're going to do here? Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, you know, did she pass the test? Like, she left. She leaves the house of black and white. She really only stays there overnight. She leaves the next day. Uh, she's wandering the streets and she's about to kill some people. And then he shows up. Like, what did she do that proved her worthiness in that moment? She seemed like a badass. You know, that's it. That's she didn't have like a tantrum on the steps and she didn't just be like, you know, screw you, Jake and Hagar. You know, right. She sat there and she talked about like all the people she wants to kill. And then she was going to kill some guys in the street. You know, she was impressive. Yeah, and she was uh, she she really was pretty cold and calculating when she said something along the lines of like uh, these birds will be worth nothing to dead men. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like so, she already she has like great line delivery too for like a hardcore assassin. So that that's got to look pretty good. I think that looks pretty good. I think it was a test. Yeah, it was a test. Uh, well, she passed. I'm glad she did. Good for Arya. Are you excited to see Jake and Hagar back on the show? Yeah, I'm excited. He's got cool hair. He does have cool hair. Like if I was, if I look like Jake and Hagar, I wouldn't change to anybody else. He looks like medieval Ben Browning. Yeah. You know, I think that the best part about being Jake and Hagar is like, I would never like you, you never have to exercise. I would just eat everything. <laughs> and then I'd be like, Oh, look at my six pack. Like, Oh, I mean, look at my, Oh, my muscles got bigger today. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he shapeshifts into fat people. You know, no offense to the old guy, but he was like a bigger dude. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess you can do that. I guess you, you might not be able to change your height, but you can change your body type. Yeah, look how cut I am. 
Yeah. Pass the Danish. Dude, that sounds great. Pass the lemon cakes. More lemon cakes this way, please. I would be at the House of Black and White tomorrow. (laughs) Especially if they had black and white cookies, man. Yeah, I'm not so crazy about the black and white cookie. Really? Yeah. But you're a Long Islander. This is a very Long Island thing. I always thought it was overrated. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you just never had a good one. Mm, Maybe that's it. Which side are you? Uh, I I like the chocolate. Okay. Yeah. My, you know, vanilla icing is not that exciting to me. Yeah. We're not, uh, we're, we're probably not black and white cookie compatible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's go from there. Let's stick in Bravos for a little while longer because there's, there's something that we should talk about here. You know, we have seen the Titan of Bravos. We've seen that huge statue before back in season four when Stan has traveled to Bravos to meet with the iron bank and get some funding. Uh, so it's not that we've never seen this thing before, but Aria is really taken aback by this thing when she's first setting sail into Bravos. And Alexander Chester and both both Alexander Chester and Matt the Golem wrote in with questions about this statue. Alexander wrote, given the technological limits of the time, how did they build that huge statue in Bravos? Uh, and Matt the Golem wrote in and said, um, we are shown many great architectural marvels, such as the huge statue when entering Bravos, but is anything being built currently or even in the planning stages of that same kind. Uh, so first, let's, let's tackle it from, from Alex's question first. How the hell did they build that thing? The same way they built the statue on Lost. <laughs> Is that how? I forgot how they answered that. I don't think they did. <laughs> uh, I, I think would they, guess. They, they answered how they broke the statue. Yeah. My guess would be that um, there was sort of like a big rock formation, and I think they probably had to chisel it down and carve it into the Titan of Bravos. That's a pretty good call. And I know then they have like murder holes and stuff. Because I guess you can go inside it. Murder holes? Yeah. Did you know that um, at my former place of uh, full-time employment, Viacom, we had a room there called murder hole? That when people were trying to attack the building that you poured like, like hot oil on them? Yeah, I shouldn't say too much about Murder Hole. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be a secret, but there is a very serious corridor uh, in, uh, in Viacom called Murder Hole. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that might be explored further in a future podcast. It seems very tease. ominous. Just a tease. Okay. <laughs> so that would be my guess on how the uh, Titan of Bravos was made. But I feel like the ultimate... Like, I like that. I think know, that's a good call. Ace in the hole on any of this stuff that they could always say is like, well... Uh, they did it with the help of magic. Yeah, you know, magic. Yeah, like anything that's really hard to explain. I think they're like, well, they had magic, so they were able to help that happen. Like, you know, the wall and stuff like that. Blood magics? Yes, there's all sorts yeah. of magic. Yeah. Is this your favorite, like, huge structure that we've seen on, on <laughs> Game of Thrones? Um, boy, uh, if I had to rank my favorite huge structures on Game of Thrones, boy, are we counting castles? <laughs> We can count castles if you want, but I feel like that's a little boring. Okay. Uh, I'd say, sure, Titan of Bravos is uh, number one. I was very partial to the uh, the golden marine harpy that's no longer there. Yeah, though that is that is gone. Not not the wall. Wall is not number one. Yeah, the wall's fine. Wall's fine. You just, you're not into the wall. Yeah. I thought we were sort of counting the wall as a castle because it's I don't think the wall is a black. castle. Yeah, well, there's castles on the wall. Yeah. The wall's just like a big sheet of giant ice. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you mentioned the harpy. You mentioned <laughs> Meereen, and this is something that, that Matt had uh, written in about as well. Matt the Golem continues and says that this seems like it would be a good make-work project for all of Daenerys' former slaves. 
since without masters, they have no job prospects and no means of earning money to put food on the table. So what do you think? We've knocked down the harpy. What should go up in its place in Mirin? Boy, instead of the harpy and instead of, you know, a big face of Daenerys, boy. Mm, That's not a bad idea. Just Daenerys's face. Yeah. Maybe could they just get like a perch maybe for Drogon to come back and sit on? Yeah. And just like put like a giant piece of steak on there. Like, come on, Drogon. <laughs> yeah. So I'm back. Okay. I think that that might be something or maybe like a Drogon trap. Maybe they could make that up there. A Drogon trap would be good. <laughs> yeah. You would, you would think that that would be a, a pretty good call. Uh, this, that actually leads us into a good question from, uh, from Krista. Krista wrote in and asked, when Drogon popped in to say hi to Danny, do you think that she was regretting her training regimen when the dragons were younger? Should she have included commands other than Dracarys? Perhaps sit, heal, or even leave it? Leave it? Yeah, what would you, what would you have uh, taught uh, Drogon here? Well, as somebody who has a dog, you know, I think that you, you want to... you had a ferret. Yes, or a ferret. I think you want to teach them, uh, come here. That's, that's a good one. That's number one. Um, I think you also want to teach them sit. Uh, stay is another, is another good one. And then anything else is sort of gravy. Fetch is a, like, go get it. Go get it. Fetch is good. Do you have any real, like, uh, customized uh, tricks for, for Rayos the Ferret? Do you, have, you, have you tried to teach Rayos the Ferret how to, like... Um, process audio for you or anything on the podcast no no if i can just get reyes to not be annoying for a couple hours that would be <laughs> that's it. that's the greatest trick uh in the world reyes stop being annoying stop being annoying stop crying it's really we we do we're doing good with uh you know training the dog before we had a baby and that everything has just gone to hell now oh god yeah He's rebelling yeah, the dog is rebelling. The baby is like th- is is giving the dog food from the table. It's just everything is gone to hell. I, I feel like Danny. I can't control any of my you can't uh, control children. your yeah your subordinates yeah, are. If, if I could, you know, lock the the dog certainly, and not the baby, but the dog certainly. If I could just lock her in a basement um, and then just check in on her every couple of months, uh, that would be ideal. The dog would like try and bite your head off when you went down there. Sure, sure. But Reyes is small, right? She's small. She's small, but she would just be yipping down there. Like, rah, rah, rah. Uh, yeah. The dragons are quiet. The dragons are quiet. Yeah, the they're dragons. not like r- roaring down there the whole time. Like, while everybody's trying to sleep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's stick with Danny for a little while longer. We've got a follow up question from Dave Baker, who asked us uh, on on Sunday, "Would it be in Danny's best interest to leave Meereen?" And I said, "Yes, of course. Get out of there, Danny." Don't be there anymore. Uh, Dave's follow-up question today is, a better question probably would have been, is there any good reason for Danny to stay in Meereen? Mm. Is, it, is it possible she knows that Varys and Tyrion are coming to meet her? No. Would that even matter? Um, you say no to that. How could she know? Because Varys could have been like, hey, P.S., uh, I'm coming to visit you. I'm your biggest fan. Like he's texting her like, uh, like uh, hey, Danny, we're going to swing by. Hey, Danny, just got my Drooper. We're on my way. <laughs> my Drooper. Yeah, we're on the way. No, I don't think she knows. I mean, I think that the argument for Danny to stay is that she is sort of on her own apprenticeship and she needs to learn how to, you know, how is she going to manage Westeros if she can't even manage stupid Marine? 
Yes. Okay. Well, that leads us perfectly into this comment from Chelsea 1908 because Rob, we did get a little bit of flack for just how quickly we dismissed Daenerys on Sunday night. She had some tough calls to make. She executed the slave in front of everybody. Yes. Uh, she basically made enemies of every single person in Miri and nobody is thrilled with her. So this is from Chelsea. Chelsea trying to go to bat for Danny. Uh, Chelsea writes, hey guys, so your discussion on Danny leads me to believe that Danny should do everything in her power to make herself popular with the masses. If this means bending the law, further oppressing the minority, doing things behind closed doors, then it's all good, right? I feel her hands were tied in this situation. Meereen is a training ground for Danny. If she starts compromising her morality and justice here, then what are we to expect in Westeros? She will become just another ruler who sides with the majority or the ruling class. Yes, her decision was unpopular, but she made a stand for everyone to see. She stands for justice and equality. I hope she stays on this course. It won't be easy, but it will make her a great ruler. Do you buy that? Do you buy what Chelsea is saying? Do you think that Danny, um, in any way, by standing firm and doling out justice to this slave here in front of everybody, is that a sign of strength? And is that a sign that her experiences here in Meereen are going to benefit her in Westeros if she ever gets there? Chelsea, now look, uh, you don't want to... Uh, <laughs> just bend to the will of the people willy nilly. That would be uh, a silly way to uh, conduct yourself as a politician. Um, I, sure. It would be a great thing for Danny to do that, but it's easier said than done. You know, it's not easy. Yes. Yes. And you know, I don't want to make this political or, or anything like that. I'm not going to discuss any policy or anything like that, but you know, uh, Obama, like in 2008, you know, it's so, so much popularity and he came in, he was like the Daenerys of politicians. It's like, yes, we can, <laughs> we could do it. Misa, Obama, yay. <laughs> and everybody was so happy. But then it's, I think uh, Obama has found out it is much harder. It is sometimes it's easier to be a candidate than it is to be the ruler. The candidate. Is that another lost reference? <laughs> no, no. But it's easier to be like, it's, you know, yes, we can hope Daenerys. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, she doesn't give us everything we want. It's tough. It's it's, it's tough. very difficult. Um, so you you don't see this move that Daenerys she makes care. here. Hiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't like Daenerys care at all. Yes. D care. Where's my HMO? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was on the phone for 24 hours waiting for a representative. <laughs> oh, man, that hissing was really, really kind of terrifying. Yes. I yes. didn't like it at all. No, we didn't <laughs> like that. Did. Uh, so you don't, you don't think that this is um, showing us that Danny is being strong and this is the kind of thing that we need to see from her in Westeros. You think that maybe she's going to learn the opposite lesson of, Oh man, this leadership thing's pretty tough. She's in over her head. You know, yeah. everything came easy with uh, you know, just, you know, she look, she went on a long struggle, you know, into the red waste and everything with the Dothraki, but you know, she just basically like ripped off the unsullied uh from, you know, um over in which which of the slaver cities uh was that, was that in uh was that Yunkai? I believe that was Astapor. Astapor, of course. Um, and she basically like stole the unsullied. Yeah. And, and then she was supposed to pay for them over the dragon. She did like the dining ditch, um, back in Aspen. Dine dash. Yes. And so then she just like killed everybody there with the dragon and said like, okay, unsullied, you're all free. 
And then basically like from there, she's just like, oh, this is fun. Let's just free everybody. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. But now she's like, you know, she's got all these people now. She doesn't know no idea what she's doing. She's never she's ruled like uh, Dothraki and the Unsullied. She doesn't know idea how to rule like, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of freed slaves. Do you have a, a long view prediction for where this is going? Why we are spending as much time as we are in Marine and what this means for Danny's story going forward, whether or not that means that Danny is going to go from here to Westeros or isn't, you know, do you, do you have a prediction for why, why this stuff exists and where it's uh, taking the Danny storyline? Yeah, I think that we're sort of just like holding here for Danny for her to meet up with Tyrion and Varys. And I think that once she gets this dream team assembled, then she can move on to Westeros. And I'm not sure ultimately if, you know, what administration is going to be there in Westeros. Like, is she going to have to battle Stannis uh, when she gets there? Or is she going to like, is there going to be some Lannister in charge? I feel like there's not a lot of juice in the Daenerys versus Stannis matchup. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, uh, you know, Robert Baratheon is the regime that ousts the Targaryen. So a Targaryen Baratheon rematch is kind of a cool idea. But you would think that, um, you know, there are technically Baratheons on the throne right now. You know, it's Tom and Baratheon. It's not Tom and mm-hmm. Lannister, even if he really is Lannister. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, in name alone, Stannis versus Danny is a matchup. But I think you're right. Um, I think that there's... I don't know. And certainly it would be interesting to see them meet and Melisandre being confronted with the idea of dragons. You know, this is a woman who loves fire. So that might test her, her allegiance. So that could be, that could be pretty interesting. Mm. Uh, But you bring up Tyrion and Varys. uh, And while we're still talking about Danny, let's talk about those guys very quickly. Let's hit a voicemail from Jackie Tomeyer. Hi, Rob and Josh. It's Jackie from Alberta, Canada. Thank you very much for your weekly updates and great information, as always. I'm just wondering, does Danny know who Tyrion is? Um, you know, she's such a young ruler. Does she understand all the history of the Lannisters? And does she know who Tyrion is? And she, is she going to welcome Varys and uh, Tyrion and, into the fold and, and make them part of her council? Thank you very much. Keep up the great work. All right, Josh. Do you, do you have a sense of this? Um. I, I probably cannot say okay. one way or the other. Right, other well, than I'm interested in yours. Yes. Then let me speculate. So, no, I don't think she knows who Tyrion is. I don't think she knows who any of the Lannisters are. I mean, she knows the Baratheons. She knows what she's heard from over the years. She knows about the, the uh, Usurper. She knows about the Targaryens. But, you know, how many times did Lannister stories come up uh, with, with Danny? Now, again that she they'll probably have to come and say like uh, you don't know us but we know you and we know that you know my father was uh you know hand of the king with your father or was a, like uh, and, and she knows uh you know probably she knows like the king slayer stuff i would probably she's probably heard that yeah she's heard of tywin before i think as well yeah he's a um, big deal but regardless of that she might not know who Tyrion and Varys are that being said Barristan Selmy does sure Sure. And and Barry the Bold is on her side. Uh, so Barry the Bold could tell her a whole heap and lot about these two. And that could color her vision of these guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, he was part of the Joffrey administration uh, and Varys like was there. five seconds. Yeah, and yeah. then Joffrey ultimately dismissed him. And, you know, 
This happens in real life too, where somebody gets fired from a company and then they want to screw the whole company over. So Very uncomfortable. But I mean, if they're coming to say, hey, we're on your side, we're here, we're here to help. You know, you need us where or we can help you. I think that, you know, everybody will probably there'll be some tension at first. But yeah. if everybody's on the same page, you know, I don't think they're going to deny them and say, look, we've got everything under control here in Marine. Everything is exactly where we want it to be right now. We don't need you, your help. You know, uh, Spider, we don't need your help, Tyrion. We've got everything under control here in Marine. Hold on. Uh, get, cover me with a shield. They're throwing more yeah, they're throwing rocks. Yeah, they're throwing more <laughs> rocks right now. We're getting stoned and not in the cool way. Tyrion and Andreas, did you happen to see a, a dragon anywhere? that I've lost <laughs> one of the dragons that I had. Did yep. you see a dragon flying anywhere while you were coming in? Yeah, no, all all good points, and I and I think um, you know throwing on top of all of that, you know, the desperation that Danny is in and how bad it looks in Meereen is, you know, there's there's not the you know small not not so small fact that Varys is a very smart guy and Tyrion is a very smart guy. These are sharp tongued people who are uh, pretty good at getting their way and talking their way into good situations and talking their way into bad situations, especially Tyrion from time to time. But I think that Varys and Tyrion, if they get to Danny the way that they want to right now, I feel like they can be eloquent enough and logical enough that Danny is pretty much going to have to listen to them. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that's going to go. I think at the very least, most people can agree right now that Varys seems to be doing this right where Littlefinger maybe not be doing things quite so right. And that leads us into our next question from Jeff Probst. Not Jeff Probst. Uh, Jif writes in, uh, Jif says, Varys is telling Tyrion that he can't get out of the box as they travel to go see Danny. Why isn't Littlefinger following the same advice? Sansa is very much a fugitive. When they hang out in taverns, anyone could see them together. The Lannisters think Sansa was involved in assassinating Joffrey. So if she was spotted with Littlefinger, things would not go well for him, would they? As it is, they now have a giant lady knight stalking them on their trip. Seems like Varys is playing it a little bit smarter than Peter Baelish. What do you think, Rob? Is that fair to say Varys over Littlefinger right now? Yes. Yes. I would think that that is fair. Um, I know they feel like, oh, well, we dyed Sansa's hair. Nobody's going to recognize her. We put her the power of veto on her and nobody (laughs) and people don't think that she's on Big Brother. So then it'll be fine. She has different hair and the power of veto necklace and she won't. Nobody will be looking for her. How about a hat? Hat would be good. Yeah. Or like a shaved head. Uh, Well, let's not get carried away. That's we'll give fine. her like a Miley Cyrus. No, no. Sansa no. Cyrus is no good. No, and we already did that with Arya, and that, but that worked. So maybe let's go back and do that. But no, yeah, but it worked, and she became a wrecking ball. Sansa has beautiful hair. We don't want to do anything. But a hat, I think, would be a good move. Hat would be good. At least like a hood. Yeah. Um, what about like sort of like thing. a um a like a Queen of Thorns hat? That would be nice. Yeah, I think that would be good to keep her incognito. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So. Yeah, but Littlefinger is doing still, a bad job. I'm still pulling for the Miley Cyrus. Okay. Well, I think as far as uh, she didn't mean to start a war, you know. No, no, she didn't. Okay. But as far as Sansa goes, that I, I feel like uh, Littlefinger, again, I think that Littlefinger is, is a little cocky right now. I think he feels like uh, everything's going his way. Big for his britches. Getting a little big for his britches. Big, big yeah. finger. Big finger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds terrible. No more uh, But yeah. Yeah, he is. Littlefinger's getting a little big. 
but you know, as much as he might be messing up a little tiny bit right now, I think that it's fairly small and insignificant in comparison to uh, to Brienne, whose sales pitch was just really not great with Sansa on Sunday night in this second episode of season five. You and I kind of tore into that a little tiny bit. Uh, let's hear from Dr- uh, Jim Crumley right now, who, who sent in a voicemail about Brienne and how she maybe could have handled this a little bit better. Robin Josh, this is Jim from Minnesota. I've got a, another comment for you on Sansa and Brienne. You mentioned on Sunday that you thought Brienne didn't make the best pitch to Sansa. I think Brienne missed another piece she could have used, and that was Podrick. Sansa knew Podrick from back in King's Landing when Podrick was uh, working for Tyrion. And I think if she had, if Brienne had brought up Podrick, she would have had a better chance of making the case to Sansa. What do you think? Okay, so did, did Brienne's plan... Was she missing out on uh, bringing the pain, the Podrick pain? Would that have helped? Boy. Um, Frankly, I'd kind of forgotten that Podrick and Sansa probably knew each other. Yeah, they probably did. You know, I just feel like that these are things that are just going to get them killed quicker. You know, it's like Sansa is on the run from the Lannisters. And it's like, hey, look who else is with me. It's Tyrion Squire uh, who's with me. You know, Tyrion Lannister, who uh, that you wrong, who Littlefinger wrongfully set up uh, to kill the uh, Joffrey. Right. You know, your husband. Right, right. I have brought your husband's squire uh, <laughs> with me. What do you say? I know you're on the lamb. Um, so again, I think that is, but from Brienne's perspective, it might have made sense because she doesn't exactly know that Sansa is there, you know, on the, on the run. She thinks maybe Sansa's there against her will. So... It's a fair point. It's a, it's a fair point. I mean, it's something she could have tried. We also, we made fun of Brienne a lot for not even bringing up Arya once. Like, I ran into your sister. She's alive. She's this way. We could probably track her down. Uh, we made fun of her a lot for not bringing up Arya. But Falcon 030 wanted to correct us as to why we were being jerks for making fun of Brienne about not mentioning Arya. Falcon writes, Brienne telling Sansa about seeing Arya would just be another reason for Sansa not to trust her. Oh, you saw my 13-year-old sister and let her get away? Maybe you killed her. Not telling her was the one smart thing Brienne did. Do you think that that's the one smart thing that Brienne did? Um, no, I don't think that that was a great idea. I mean, she's probably she's desperate for anything. And she could say, I, I, I believe your sister is nearby. <laughs> you know, let's go find her. I think I, think I know where she went. Yeah, your sister's this scrappy little kid who has a really terrible attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, sounds like my sister. Yeah. Even, hey, good news, your sister's alive. I, I think those that would have helped. I think it would have helped yeah. her case. Yeah. I think she probably should have brought up Arya. I think so. I think the Podrick thing, I'm not so sure about. But Ari, I definitely think that was the case. All right. Well, let's let's go away from. I'm, we're, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about with Brienne in the future. But for the sake of this feedback show, let's take a brief stop over in King's Landing. Uh, we had a lot of fun stuff going on with Cersei, with Jamie. So let's check in on a little bit of that before we get into Jamie. Let's stay with Cersei uh, and let's talk about some of the action that happened at the Small Council, where she was making new appointments, bringing new people into the fold, assigning new jobs. And everybody seemed fairly happy except for Kevin Lannister, who was having none of that bull. 
this is from Luke Moody, who has some questions about how Kevin Lannister might fit into the season. Um, hey, Luke here. Uh, my favorite moment this week was when Kevin Lannister wrecked Cersei during the Small Council. Do you think that he'll go back to Castle Rock or will he have a large impact in the season? Thank you. Kevin Lannister. Kevin! <laughs> Yeah, Kevin is home alone right now. He's going to be home alone in Casterly Rock. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This so, is my castle. I have to defend it. I have to defend it. Yeah. Get me in the murder hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's my murder hole. Uh, yeah, but Kevin Lannister is obviously not thrilled with Cersei. Uh, Kevin being Tywin's surviving brother. Do you think that Kevin Lannister in any capacity is going to fill the void left by Tywin? Mm, a little bit. I mean, I just feel like it would be very easy to get Kevin Lannister back on, you know, point. I think, Oh, how do you do that? I, I think that he says, you know, if the King wants me, you know, he knows where to find me. So it's like, Cersei's like, uh, all right, Tommen, uh, I need you to talk to uncle Kevin and tell uncle Kevin, you want him to be, you know, ma- uh, the, uh, master of war. Yeah. We need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. I, I think that's fine. I mean, he's not like, uh, like, look, I didn't come to King's Landing to serve some 11 year old king. Like he's like, I don't, I didn't come here to talk to you, Cersei. So Cersei just has to tell Tommen what to do. Tommen tells Kevin Lannister what to do. Bada bing, bada boom. And I think everything is good. I think that's assuming that Tommen is going to be able to like complete a sentence in this capacity. I just, I don't trust Tommen to be able to sound kingly in any capacity. This is a guy who just really likes cats and is pretty psyched to be getting married to the hottest woman in Westeros. Yes. That's basically it. That's, I think that's where you draw the line with his capacity. And I guess the question is, you know, is Marjorie saying like, uh, no, why don't we make, uh, you know, my brother the master of war? Like, right, uh, right, right. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll show you, uh, you know, I'll take my shirt off if you do that. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I'll let Mom you go to second who? base. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know exactly where that power struggle is happening. Yeah. Uh, well, we haven't seen a ton of that yet this season, uh, but that has certainly been in the works pretty much since Marjorie set foot in King's Landing. Cersei just has not cared for her. Uh, and since the death of Joffrey, Marjorie has been obviously getting closer to Tommen because she is supposed to marry him. And Cersei hasn't liked that very much. But there was, you know, a bit of a stalemate there because Tywin was in the mix and Tywin was keeping the peace and now he's gone. And while we haven't really seen that bubble up in any real capacity yet this season, we're only two episodes in. And I think that the Marjorie Cersei tug of war is uh, is something to look forward to. And I think uh, something that potentially could be pretty interesting stuff in King's Landing. I think we're just at the start of some of that being really interesting. I love it. Okay. Um, let's, let's take another one from our Philly. Our Philly, uh, wanted to ask us about Jamie, who is, as we know, he is going to be heading towards Dorne to rescue, uh, his daughter, Marcella, uh, who is officially his niece, uh, but in reality is his daughter and he hasn't been much of a father to her. And our Philly is wondering about that. Our Philly writes, I'm curious if you guys feel like Jamie is going after Marcella because Cersei's words hit home. And he genuinely feels guilty about not being a loving father to her or because he has in the past, he is merely seeking Cersei's approval and subsequently her affection. So I guess the question boils down to what's Jamie's motive here? Uh, is, th- is this out of, uh, you know, his obligations as a father? Is this him just trying to get back in, in Cersei's good graces and good graces is the name of her bedroom? What do you think? 
Okay, this is what uh, Jamie is thinking. He's like, boy, I really did screw up uh, this whole Tywin thing. And, you know, we saw Cersei ream him out in the first episode. And I think he feels bad. I think he feels bad about uh, all this stuff. Um, does does Jamie think that Tyrion killed Joffrey? I guess not. I guess he he wouldn't let him go if he, if he really believed that. Well, I don't know. I mean, it looks it looks pretty bad. Yeah, I th- I think th- I think that the consensus is Tyrion did this. Yeah, but even <laughs> even Jamie thinks that. I mean, when Cersei is saying like, you know, at least Tyrion like purposefully right. murdered you know our father. You just did it by accident, and the look on his face, he doesn't say like Tyrion didn't do this. No, I'm talking about Joffrey. Does he believe that J- that Tyrion actually killed Joffrey? No, no, no. I okay. don't think so. Okay, so he feels like uh, he doesn't know exactly what happened there. So. But he's like, okay, well, I, I guess I owe uh, Cersei one on that. You know, she's right. And I think he's got nothing else going on. He's got nothing else to do. <laughs> I'm bored. He's bored. I should go to Dorne. Yeah. And it's not that far of a trip. It's pretty close. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some miles on my Druber. <laughs> yeah. I've got some free Druber points. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go on a, a, a broad trip, a brawn trip. A, bra- a brand trip? I don't yeah. know. So I think that's what and it feels like. Hey, if I you know bring back Marcella, that's a, a, a win-win. I'll be the yeah. hero. Are you excited for the bronding session? Yes, I think that's great. I think that's a really fun thing because uh, Bron and Jamie are like similar characters. Because usually we get these road trips where people who are sort of you know opposites, but here we have people that are similar. Yeah, uh, they both are snarky. They are both. Uh, swordsmen. They're both fierce warriors. They don't have the you know the most sound morals of of most of the characters we've seen on the show. Although Jamie has you know definitely moved towards the light since uh, we first saw him on this show. Uh, but they're both scoundrels. Like they're it's like two Han Solos. You know, it's kind of like Han Solo and Lando. We're home in Dorne. <laughs> We're home, Chewie. <laughs> We're home, Bron. What did you think of the Star Wars trailer? It was okay. It was okay. Yeah. It was the best. It was the best. It was very good. I think I, I heard of the hype before I watched it. Uh, that was a mistake. Yeah. That was a mistake. Uh, no, but I think Jamie and Bron together, I think that's going to be pretty good uh, when, when they get to Dorne. But that being said, a little bit of disappointment from some people about the introduction of Dorne itself in this episode um, from Matt Campbell. Did you think the introduction of Dorne was extremely underwhelming? We get one scene of Alaria and Doran having a conversation, basically regurgitating info we already know. Viewers need to be excited about visiting Dorne this season, and surely the Sand Snakes would have been the perfect choice for that. So what do you think? Matt basically saying, we hear a lot about these Sand Snakes. We don't even see them. We hear a lot about, oh, they killed the Red Viper. They killed his sister way back when. We should do something. It's all stuff that we've heard before. Do you think that it was a boring scene in Dorne? Do you think that the show could have done better? It was fine. It was fine. We don't need to be more excited. We're already as excited as we can be for Game of Thrones. We were excited to see Dr. Bashir, and I, I think it was fine. You think it was fine? You were okay with it? I think it was fine. I, I think that it's only episode two. Let's not get hysterical. I think it was fine. It does look a little King's Landing-ish. Like, I feel like they could have done some things to make it look a little more unique. Mm. What would it just kind of looks like a King's Landing courtyard. Yeah, I guess that's fair. 
Um, yeah, not not the end of the world, but uh, it's just it's like it could have been anywhere on Game of Thrones. Yeah, you thought it was just uh, not not distinct enough for Dorne. You just hear about Dorne as this super exotic place where everybody goes and has these crazy rules and the Dornish red and all of the yeah, people. It should have so looked like dead. Mexico. It should have been yeah. like all like Adobe. <laughs> you boys like Dorne. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. yeah, I think that would have been good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, all right, well, let's let's get away from Dorne. Let's go. Uh, that's as far south as south goes. Let's go north. Let's go to the wall and let's finish at the wall today. All right. Okay, you got it. All right, let's do it. This is from John Dunn. He had um, he had some questions about your take on John turning down the offer to be Lord of Winter. Yes. Okay. John writes. So Rob seemed surprised that John didn't take Stannis's offer to be the Lord of Winterfell, but like. WTF would that even mean to John right now? The Boltons have Winterfell. It's a title only. Plus, the rest of the North clearly doesn't yet recognize Stannis as king, so why would they recognize John as Stark or Lord if it's dependent upon legitima- legitimization by Stannis? What's your response? Response to John. Yeah, well, first off, I don't think that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that uh, Jon Snow didn't do that because that seems like that completely in line with his character that he would take he would, you know, put his, you know, a title over his duty. I think what I said was that it was the most stark that he's ever been because it's, such it's a very stark, stark, stark thing to do. I think that I think it was a poor decision. I think if I was Jon Snow, I would take the title. I'd say, yeah, let's you know what? Let's go do this. Let's go kick out Roose Bolton and let's get him out of here. And uh, let me go take over. Now, again, Jon Snow knows about what's going on with the White Walkers. No, like he knows nothing. I think if I was Jon Snow, I think I would have said this. I think I would have said, look, Stannis, that's an incredible offer. And I would love to take you up on that. But first, we got White Walkers coming here, barreling down on our location. So I could go with you and we could take over Winterfell and I'll be the Lord of Winterfell, but uh, we're just going to be infested with White Walkers here uh, in a couple of months. So we got to deal with this. I got to take care of this situation. But then when you need me, I will go and sit as the Lord of Winterfell. And how's how's Stannis going to react to that? Well, I want it now. (laughs) I want it now. Now or never, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fair. And frankly, some people have been taking issue with just Stannis's offer to begin with. This is from Jack Newman. Uh, does the storyline of John being offered Winterfell bug or not make sense to anyone else? He's in the night's watch for life and not even Stannis has jurisdiction over them due to them not participating in the politicking of the rest of Westeros. If John left, shouldn't Stannis really do his liege lordly duty and behead John for desertion? I understand it's to conflict John, but it really doesn't make any sense. Um, that's kind of a fair point, right? Can, Stannis doesn't really have the authority to say, leave the Night's Watch. Uh, no one can release John of that. Mm. Yeah, but I think if, he, if he's the, the future king of Westeros, I feel like he can make that call. So, but it's, it's like a future deal. This isn't a now deal. Right. He's like, uh, hold on here. I am the rightful, you know, that... The Lannisters, those are bastards. I'm the rightful king of Westeros. Yeah. Uh, while you watch, I'm going to become the king in a couple months here. And then yeah, he, he like slides him an IOU, a lordship. Uh, it's as good as money. Yeah. So again, I think that it's probably a good deal for, for John in the end. 
You know, I, I feel like we got to get a Stark back at Winterfell, you know, eventually. This, the people in the North, they only want to follow the Starks. We need to get one of them back. Um, my dark horse here is um, Rickon. Wow. Rickon, yes. I think where he, is Rickon? We don't know where he is, but I think he's just like, you know, hopefully he could be a grown-up soon and then he could just take over Winterfell. Who is going to be a grown-up first, Rickon or Tommen? Boy, uh, Rickon. Why? That these Stark kids just shoot up. Yeah, <laughs> they just grow. I don't know what they're feeding <laughs> they them in the north. Like, yeah, Joffrey was like you know seventeen, and he seemed like he was twelve still. Yeah, and plus his pet is a dire wolf versus Tommen's Sir Pounce, and yeah. Sir Pounce is a great cat, but come on. Yeah, I think the, so. The Daniel Day Lewis of cats, I believe we once said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap up here. This is another one from Matt Campbell, uh, stemming from this whole conversation about John and did he make the right move or not? Matt writes with Rob saying he thinks that John made the wrong choice to take up Lord Commander. He is admitting that he would, in John's position, forsake the Night's Watch vows. Therefore, I submit the beheading in the next podcast no! be Rob of House Sesternino. Well, we promised the people an execution, Rob. You've made a mistake. I think it might be you. I mean, well, how are you, how, how are you going to do it? I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, carry out the King's justice. I'm going to, I'm going to take my Valyrian sword turned out to be nice mm. and I'm going to, I'm going to behead you. Well, can I just request that somebody do it that I, I think could probably do it in one shot? What, you, what is, what is this? You don't have faith in me to do it in one shot. I feel like it might take a couple shots. It might take a couple shots. I have probably bad aim. I the bad sword is, is heavier than you think. What if I get Antonio Mazzaro to help me lift it? Who would be the best? <laughs> Who's the strongest post-show recaps host? Um, I would guess Antonio. Antonio? That's my guess. I don't yeah. know. Although Kevin of the Daredevil podcasts I've been doing apparently is a black belt. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I've known him for years. And I had no idea. Frankly, I, I kind of don't believe it, to be honest with you. I think he might be sleeping on the tabulator. I think he's. Ooh, be yeah, no, Kurt's a good call. Kurt works out. Yeah. I can tell you this much. It's not Mike Bloom. <laughs> We, we'd have him as an archer, maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if, we, if we're burning you alive, maybe Mike Bloom. And I'm telling you, it's not decapitating. <laughs> no yeah. offense, Mike. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Um, would I desert the night? I would have never joined the Night's Watch. Yeah. Well, some people, it's not their choice. I know not to join the Night's Watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. No, thank okay. you. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens on Sunday night. Yeah. Or I think I would take the Night's Watch vows, but I would have my fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> but you hate that. But it you works. hate when people it do works, that. It works, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah, it works for some people. Yeah. Okay. I begin my watch. Okay. Ha <laughs> <laughs> My toes were crossed. Yeah, my toes are crossed. My eyes are crossed. Yeah. Okay. So, Josh, this Sunday night, season five, episode three, High Sparrow. High Sparrow, so high. <laughs> yeah. So these sparrows are going to get so high. So high. Yes. And that is going to be on Sunday night, 10.15 p.m. Eastern, is when our live coverage will begin. And I'm very excited. Yeah, it'll be very good. Uh, High Sparrow, the title alone, although it's funny to make fun of, um, tells us something, uh, certainly from the book reading perspective. So I think that we're going to be in for a fun show. Okay, good. Um, so I would imagine we're going to see more of Lancel Lannister. I would, I double would expect L? so. Yeah, double L. Double L is back. 
Okay. Two L's. So we'll see exactly what happens there. All right. So, uh, Josh, we also want to remind people about our Game of Thrones, the post-show recap, iTunes feed at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And the other thing that really helps us out on the podcast is when you leave us feedback and ratings on iTunes. So, postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. Yes. All right. Leave your, leave your ravens. We need a hashtag, Josh. All right. Do you have any ideas? Okay. Um, all right, Josh. What do you think of uh, Face Off, Face Off? I like it. That's okay. fun. All right. Yeah. That's going to be Aria, Nick Cage, your boy. Yeah, I love Nick Cage. Yes. And Nick Cage he, loves you. He's my guy. Yeah. yeah. We had a good time once. Okay. All right. And then we will be back. Uh, so leave us your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Josh, what's going on with the book club? Uh, with book club, book club, by the time that this is out, actually book club probably is out as well. Uh, we said that we were going to be doing that on Friday this week. We're actually doing that on Thursday. Uh, so if you haven't listened to book club yet, go ahead and listen to that. That's me and Terry shorts talking about episodes of game of Thrones for the people who have read the books. So if you have not read the books, uh, be warned spoilers. Uh, but it's good. It's gonna be a good time. And I know justified is over, but is this the end of justified podcasts? Uh, actually, Antonio Mazzaro and I earlier tonight, we recorded, uh, the final, final justified podcast, the actual last justified podcast, at least for now. Uh, maybe we'll find some way to do something at some point in the future. Uh, but we just finished uh, a feedback show. That's kind of looking at justified overall, looking at this final season, answering some questions about the finale, really fun podcast with Antonio, almost two hours spent on Harlan County and everything that went on there. Uh, really good stuff. I think that the podcast Antonio and I did on Justified were really pretty good. Uh, so if you like that show and you're not aware of Justified podcasts here on Poster Recaps, you can always catch up. PosterRecaps.com slash Justified iTunes. Plus, Josh, is it also true you are closing in at the end of podcasting all about season one of Daredevil? Oh, yeah. We're we're all done on Daredevil. Yeah, we uh, Kevin Mahadeo and I, we did one Daredevil episode every day since Daredevil came out, which was pretty crazy of us, but we stuck to it. We missed one day. I think that's pretty good. So we are we are finished with with those podcasts, and we are going to be recording a feedback show at some point in the near future. So if you watched Daredevil, if you've got questions about Daredevil, we want to hear them. Uh, send them through our feedback form, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback, or you can tweet them my way at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder, and we will get that stuff on the show. Okay. Fantastic. Also, check out, we've got a brand new podcast, a recap of Orphan Black, also on Poster Recaps, hosted by Mike Bloom and Jessica Lease. And uh, plus also uh, Mike Bloom and Kurt Clark, the strong Kurt Clark, Kurt the Strong, on Once Upon a Time, uh, the post-show recap. All right. Yeah. So much uh, going on, Josh. I uh, can't wait to get back here Sunday night for High Sparrow. Looking forward to talking to you then. And uh, let's hear what you guys have to say in the comments. Take care, everybody. Bye.